Hello and welcome to Field Notes, a podcast about linguistic fieldwork. I'm Martha Sutsui Billens, and today's interview is with Alex Garcia. Alex Garcia is a researcher at the University of Barcelona. He obtained his degree in French studies at the University of Valencia and then moved to China, where he taught Spanish at Instituto Cervantes of Beijing and at the Tsinghao University for several years. Since 2013, he has been working on the documentation and description of Northern Alta, a Negrito language spoken by less than 200 people in the Philippines. He recently obtained his PhD at the University of Barcelona with the dissertation titled Documentation of Northern Alta, Grammar, Glossary, and Texts. He is also an ELDP grantee and a depositor at the Endangered Languages Archive. In today's interview, Alex will be discussing how he first started working on Northern Alta and his experiences in the field, as well as what it's been like to do a collaborative community project where he's worked very closely with younger community members and has been able to train them in language documentation so that they can collect data from their own contacts and work in their own community even when he's not there. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this interview. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's good to hear you, Marty. So welcome to Field Notes. Thank you so much for taking time, Alex. Thank you very much for inviting me. And it's it's my pleasure to be on, on your podcast. Uh, thanks. So to start, how did you get into linguistic fieldwork in the first place? So I was looking uh, for a language to work on for my PhD. I was thinking in describing the language and possibly in, in documenting the language. And at the time I was living in, in China, I was considering to work on, on a language from there. But my, my supervisor in Spain suggested that I, uh, I consider working on, on some Austronesian languages so uh, I started reading about those and I first checked Taiwan and so uh, that several languages there had already been documented and described. So then I moved to the Philippines and I discovered the story of Philippine Negrito people and I was fascinated by the things I was reading about their history. And I read about those for uh, a period of time and found out that, that many of these languages needed documentation. So I started making a selection on possible languages depending on whether they had been described or not. And uh, I ended up with four or five languages. And then I decided that I would visit communities on my on my own. I wanted to, to visit the communities on my own, but I decided before traveling to the Philippines alone, I decided to contact the specialist in on the area, which is Lori Reed, who had been working in the Philippines for decades. So I let him know about my project and I told him that I was planning to visit the Philippines and he, he replied to me on the next day. Uh, he was very kind and he seemed very happy. He said that it was good news that I wanted to work on one language from the Philippines. He told me that he was going to, to visit the country at the same time as, as, I, as I was. He told me that he could show me around. So we, we organized a trip together throughout Luzon, Luzon Islands. And uh, that was uh, like a 12 days trip in 2013, September. 
And on that trip, we, we visited first the, the Bontoc communities on the Cordillera uh, Central, Central Cordillera, where Lowry had made fieldwork during the 60s. We then, we then visited linguist Yukinori Kimoto from Japan, who was working on Arta language, another Negrito language. And then we eventually reached Baler, the capital of the, of the province where the, the Alta live. And Lori Reed had made some work on the language in the 80s, but he hadn't had any contact with them ever since. So we started from zero. We didn't know anyone, anyone there. And we first visited the mayor of Baler to explain about the project. And then we visited the local office of the NCIP, which is the National Commission of Indigenous Peoples. We were talking with, with a lawyer from the NCIP and we were explaining that we were looking for the Alta. And uh, next to the, the lawyer, there was another lady who was just working on her desk, looking at her, at her papers. And then when she heard the word Alta, she, she raised her head and said, Alta, I am an Alta. That's how we met Violeta, who later became one of my best consultants. She accepted to take us to the village where she was from uh, immediately. And uh, that's how I first met the Alta. That's so serendipitous. Yes, long story, but <laughs> ev eventually we found, we found the Alta. Wow, that's so cool. Prior to your own work, had there been any documentation or description of Northern Alta, or were you the first to work on this language? So there, there were some, some materials, some word lists collected by, by other linguists. The first one was a missionary from Belgium who had collected a word list, uh, Van Overberg. And then another word list by a Philippine anthropologist later in the 50s, I think. And then another word list by Lori Reed in, I think, in the 80s. Some word lists and some, and some sentences. And that's so all we, we had of Northern Alta at the time I started working on the language. Wow. So not that much. Yeah, very little. Quite little. No, no recordings uh, available. Wow. Oh, yes, I'm forgetting. There were actually some recordings made by Jason Lobel and Laura Robinson, who had been traveling on the eastern coast of Luthon, collecting data on languages. And I later on, I found some of their recordings in the Paradisec archive. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Can you briefly describe the language context in the area that you work in in the Philippines? So... Northern Alta is the endangered language. What is the yeah? What is the language context in the area of your field site? The the Alta communities are located in uh, different villages around the town of Baler in northeastern Luzon. The language spoken there most commonly is Tagalog, the national language, but it's also pretty close to the Ilocano area. So there are many speakers of Ilocano, and there are Ilocano migrants in the area. And then the language, Northern Alta, is surrounded by other languages. A few of them are Negrito languages. So, for example, if uh, we travel north for an hour or two, we find, Northern, uh, we find Arta language and also Casiguran Acta and also Casiguranin. And then to the south, we have Southern Alta language and also uh, Umirai Dumagat Acta. And then if you travel to the west, we find Ilongot language. And uh, so the language is sur surrounded by, by other languages. And then we have to also state that all the speakers of Alta are bilingual with Tagalog. They speak Tagalog in their daily lives and they often code switch. Besides Tagalog, are the other languages endangered as well? 
I, I would say Arta is spoken by 11, 11 speakers, uh, more or less. So I don't know about the transmission of, of, of Arta nor about the other languages, but they are spoken by uh, a small amount of people. I'm not sure if there are support in the transmission of these languages. Mm-hmm. So they they are most likely endangered, but I I cannot tell for sure which ones are endangered. Yeah, yeah. What are your main research interests for your project? So you just finished your PhD, and now you're going back to the field soon, right? Yes, uh, we'll be traveling to the field in in three days or four days. So it's all very exciting. Back to 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 the field after one year. So I'm I'm mostly interested in in language description and in particular in describing morph- morphosyntax. Also, I've been also very interested in how language develop their grammar, so grammaticalization. I'm also interested in in other topics like, for example, the connection between negrito languages and the fact that some uh, words may be uh, uniquely shared by these languages. So finding evidence of a possible negrito substrate. That, that is, I think, a topic that could be interesting to explore in the future, since we have now more descriptions of Negrito languages and more documentation, so more data available. I'm also interested in, in language contacts, in different ways in which languages mix. Yeah. Can you give some details about your current project? Is it a continuation of your PhD work, or are you doing something completely different with Northern Alta now? So I'm currently finalizing. I have recently uh, completed my PhD, and I'm also uh, finalizing my language documentation project. The aims of the project were twofold. Documentary, of course. As we said before, uh, very little data on the language had been collected, so we wanted to create a, a corpus on the language including a collection of recordings, of annotated recordings and a glossary that can serve as a tool for more in-depth research in the future. And also uh, the descriptive goal, which was to develop a grammatical description of the language, which would also serve as a base for future linguistic research. And that also uh, would provide a user-friendly access to the language documentation corpus. So on this trip, we just want to visit the community one more time to inform of what we have been doing in the last year. We would like to continue the training with our, with our trainees and possibly collect data for a, a future project. Can you talk a bit more about training? You've mentioned before that with your project, you collaborate with younger members of the community. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, so uh, we uh, we have been working with two young community members, Mabel and Jennifer, in the in a classroom provided by the elementary school in Diteki, in one of the communities, and we have been working in two different periods in in 2016 and 17, and also in this training we had the chance to have some Alta adults who participated as speakers. And we, we train the, the trainees, the young community members, to first make simple recordings with the Zoom. Also, we taught them to segment, transcribe, and translate a recording with, with Elan. And also, they learned some basic commands on Flex. For example, searching for a word, adding or removing an entry, or adding a photo to an, ent- an entry. And on several occasions, we lent trainees uh, the recorder and the camera so they could go around the village and uh, make recordings or take pictures. 
they would later annotate at the school. And that's how the, the, the trainees created the, a collection of 15 recordings, some of which focus on plants. This turned out to be a quite positive experience, some uh, good recordings with uh, very good content, better than the content I would sometimes get myself in with the speakers because uh, the Elta would feel more comfortable speaking to them. And, and that was it. So hopefully this year we will have some, some more training and uh, some more uh, um, recordings. Can you talk about the major equipment that you use when you're on field work? Sure. We have been using uh, Zoom H4N. So we have, I have personally a Zoom H4N and then another one for the community to solid, solid state recorders. And then I also use a shotgun microphone, the Rode NTG2. And also uh, for conversations, a Cardiate microphone, Rode NT4. For the video camera, we, we have a Canon Degria HFG25. And there's also an SLR camera, which is the one we, we lend to the trainees or to the community members so they can take it around and take pictures or videos. That's the, the Canon PowerShot SX400. And then we have three laptops, two for the, for the community and one for myself. These are Toshiba Protégé and Toshiba Satellite laptops. So that's pretty much the equipment I've been using. Cool. And I'll link everything in the show notes as well so that people can find all this stuff. So when you're not in the field, I'm assuming the two laptops for the community members stay in the field even when you are not there. And are they processing recordings while you're in Spain or are they continuing to collect data or is it just when you're in the field that they're also working on the project? For the laptops, I usually bring them to the field and uh, they work with the laptops while I am on the field. But if at some point I make sure that uh, they will continue processing data, I would for sure leave the, the laptops in the field. Uh, but what I what I had left uh, since last year is uh, the, the Zoom H4n and uh, the SLR camera. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will I will see this year what they have gotten out of them. Yeah, cool. Next, what advice would you give to someone who also wants to do field work in the Philippines? Uh, the first uh, advice would be contact the language specialist first because they know which which languages they know best, which languages require documentation and which are potentially interesting. That will save you some time. Also, if possible, take some courses on, on any Philippine language. Maybe you, you will be able to find courses in Tagalog or Ilocano, but if there's other courses as well, because that will help you getting familiar with the grammar of Philippine type languages and will also save you quite some time. Also learn as much as you can of the vernacular language spoken in the, in the area. Uh, this will give you more independence in the field since you will be able to communicate with the speakers of the language you want to work on. Finally, I would also say involve young community members by training them to make photos, videos, or to annotate recordings. This will help you in many ways. Uh, it will help you to adapt to the community. You will get uh, more data, more in-depth uh, recordings. Can you talk about what you said about learning the language that you're studying? So how was your experience learning Northern Alta? Sure. So at the beginning, I didn't, I didn't know anything of Northern Alta. I just had the word list and I, I knew very little of Tagalog. So uh, I didn't have uh, any uh, a language uh, in common with the speakers of Northern Alta. 
the only way I could communicate with with them would be to speak in English to some of the of the teenagers that were there and that could translate for me. So I decided to to learn the language to focus uh, first on learning the language and I was attracted by a technique called monolingual fieldwork. I didn't know much about this technique but I knew it was developed by uh, linguist Kenneth Pike and I had read that it consists in in learning a language by only using that language. So in one of the uh, first field trips I sat down with uh, Renita Santos, one of the speakers of, of Northern Alta. We sat down together every day for three weeks for a couple of hours, just focusing on, on that on that task. So on the previous day, I would I will I would design a, a session of elicitation. And then on the next day, we will carry on the elicitation sessions. And this started out by uh, saying simple things such as one dress, two dresses, one blue dress, one red dress. I have one blue dress, you have one red dress, and uh, and so on, getting from, from more simple to more complex. And it was exhausting for both of us, but I found it super exciting. I think this was one of my favorite parts of uh, language, uh, of linguistic fieldwork, and I, w- I would love to have the chance to do it again with another another language. And it was also very positive for my integration in the community because they could see my, my progress in learning the language and my interest and took my project more seriously. And they would often come to the house where I was staying at and they would speak to me or even if they saw me anywhere in the village, they would come and say hi and speak a few sentences. At some point, I got some um, degree of commands in which I could schedule a recording with uh, some native speakers. I could... I could also uh, ask some questions or interview, and and that was really helpful. That's great. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about your daily routine when you're in the field? Do you have a daily routine, or is it every day is different? So, yes, there are several types of days. So there would be a day when I was, the days where I work on, on annotation, I would take the motorbike and travel to, to Diteki, which is the, the village where I I normally do annotation and uh, we would meet with uh, one or two native speakers uh, in the morning at nine o'clock and work on on transcription and translation in one of the classrooms. That's the most quiet place I could find in, in the village. So we would work from, from nine to one or one thirty, And at some point... Once my consultant would be uh, tired, we would stop and interrupt fieldwork. And then I would go back to the place where I stay and have lunch. And then in the afternoon, I would either visit another consultant that lives closer to the place where I stay and uh, work on on some other tasks, some, on some, some elicitation or uh, on, on reviewing some uh, transcription or some translation. Or, and, and also, I would prepare or segment the recordings for the next day so we could continue the, the, the transcription and the translation. So that's, that, this is when I focus on, on annotation. There are some other days when we just focus on recording. So on these days, we take the motorbike, we prepare the equipment and go to one of the villages uh, we had already scheduled uh, a meeting with one of the speakers. Uh, we know the speakers already and we know what topics they like, what topics they are interested in, 
or they feel comfortable in talking about. For example, we have fishermen that could explain how they, they build the tools for fishing or how they, how they fish. Also, we, we would visit a lady who has a garden with many plants and who knows a lot about plants. So we would schedule a meeting and then record with that person and uh, or have a meal after recording. And, and that's, this is it. And then the next day and the next day and so on. Cool. Nice. Thank you so much, Alex. Where can our listeners learn more about your work? Oh, uh, sure. So there is, of, of course, the deposit page in the, uh, in the LR, LR archive. So mm-hmm. they can find all of the data I have collected in open access. Also, the, the grammar of the language I have, I have developed. And uh, also, there is my website, which is on Weebly, uh, alexgarciaraguia.weebly.com. Uh, you will have the, the link. Finally, I'm also uploading uh, my project's data on the Kratilos website, which I think is a very cool platform because you can upload your data and you can use regular expressions or different search patterns to explore data from language documentation corpora. So my lexicon is already uploaded on Kratilos and some of my annotated recordings are there. So I will keep uploading all my stuff on Kratilos as well. Cool. Thank you so much, Alex. My pleasure. Thanks to you. You've been listening to Field Notes, a podcast about linguistic fieldwork. This podcast is hosted and produced by Martha Satsui Billens with production help from Laura Satsui. Our music is by Lobo Loco, and our logo is by Evil Designs. If you have a question or fieldwork experience to share, you can email us at fieldnotespod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lingfieldnotes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us an Apple podcast review. Thanks for listening.